Welcome to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And we are here to discuss and potentially review X-Men First Class Days of Future Past. Spoiler warning. Yeah, yeah, it's three weeks later, but if uh, you haven't seen the movie yet and you were expecting us to be covering X-Men number 143, well, you're going to have to wait another week because we're not. We're going to talk about X-Men Days of Future Past. So big spoilers. You the, ha- the movie, not the, the comic book. Yeah, we already did that. That was like, yeah. that was three weeks ago. So if you want you, the comic book. It's there. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, spoilers ahead, you have been warned. I don't want to hear anybody complaining that we wrecked the movie for you. <laughs> that being said, um, so Adam, what is your experience? I want to make sure that we don't do what we did with the X-Men uh, first class review, which is, uh, do, you, do you remember that episode we did? No. Okay. There was an X-Men first class episode? <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, when they came out with There was with an it, X-Men first class movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a little while ago. But um, I went back and I listened to it again because after I watched Days of Future Past, I was like, how did we do that? Like, did we actually do a movie review? And uh, we didn't. We just kind of talked about it and gave our impressions and talked about certain key scenes and whatnot. But... When you listen to it, and I think a couple of leaders got, or, uh, listeners got this impression as well, we don't come off as sounding super positive about the movie until about the end when we were like, yeah, it was okay, you know? So so we should start with the end? I want to start this review. I don't want to bury the lead. I think without talking about it, I think we should just... I think we should just say what we think of the movie and then we'll then we'll nitpick it apart like we as we do. But we'll start off the podcast <laughs> so everybody knows right where we stand. So it's not like a did they, didn't they, did they, didn't they? We'll just start off that way. So Adam, what did you think of X Men Days of Future Past? I have no idea. <laughs> Wait, we we were supposed to watch it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I had a whole lot of fun watching this film. Okay. I read the novelization, so, uh, we might be way off. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was, uh, <laughs> I thought it was a lot of fun too. I thought there was a lot of good action. I thought there was some good dialogue and I thought there were some very excellently choreographed scenes in the movie. So overall, I really, I, I enjoyed the movie, uh, in preparation for so this. Let's, be- let's, let's begin with the question that you ended with last night i think i think I, I don't remember this but i know you asked this question in the last one okay if if the x-men if you're you're watching cable uh-huh. and this movie is happens to be on do you do you change the channel or do you finish watching it oh i finished watching it okay what did i say about the other ones because I, I to be fair if, if uh, x-men 3 was on I'd, I'd probably finish watching that too and then at the end i'd be like oh yeah that's right <laughs> 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 this one wasn't good but yes definitely this is a this is a finisher. If I were to channel surf and and uh, find it, um, when did you see it, Adam? I saw it on the weekend that it came out, so Saturday or Sunday. Okay, and I think I saw it on Monday, so that was like Memorial Day weekend. So we were Adam and I were primed and ready to record immediately, but I like you got sick, and then something else happened. Yeah, I lost my voice for like. 
for like a week. <laughs> and then like I had a sick kid and he's just like a bunch of things that, and so here we are three weeks later, we're healthy. Everybody's healthy, but we're, we're maybe not quite so fresh as we were. Right. So this will be interesting <laughs> for both of us. You the might be making stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Do you remember that scene when Nightcrawler showed up? That was awesome. I did not expect that at all. <laughs> all righty. So, um, Adam, I don't know that if you've ever like written a review, like a like a wordy, like the atmosphere of the film was dark yet vibrant with essences of blah blah blah. But that's not what I want to do because I don't. I think there are other people out there that probably do that well, and I don't. Oh, want yeah, to... we're not reviewers. We're nitpickers. <laughs> exactly. So I don't want to go and so much review it, but I'd like to. I'd just like to. Let's just kind of dive through what we can remember of the movie, talk about the scenes and, and, and maybe tear it apart, compare it to the comic book, which will be a little difficult in, in some areas, but just kind of take it that way. What do, what do you what do you think? I think I think that's a great idea. And I have I have a starting point. Perfect. Uh, in fact, um, timelines. OK. Within the context of the film itself, not counting any of the other X-Men movies, let's pretend that this is your first X-Men movie. Okay. Uh, if Wolverine doesn't go back in time, right. how does Magneto get out of prison? Right. How does Mystique escape from the government, or Bolivar Trask? Okay. Oh. And how does Professor X get out of his funk? Okay, I can answer all those questions. Not by anything <laughs> I saw in the movie, <laughs> but by my own okay. interpretation. I, I do have one... Uh, it's a time travel movie, right? So you can say like, well, if Wolverine doesn't, it, uh, in order for Wolverine to change the past, he has to be sent to the past. And the only way he can be sent to the past is if there's a bad past for him to be sent from. So if he goes back and fixes the past, uh, then he's never available to change the past. Therefore, he can never have been sent back. So I threw that out. I was like, look, it's a time travel movie and you're just going to have to deal with that paradox. <clears throat> but the three that you mentioned... Here's 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 my my thoughts. First of all, uh, Magneto eventually escapes because he's Magneto, right? Let's just assume that maybe okay. <laughs> it doesn't happen on that day, but it happens, you know, two three weeks later. Who knows? Maybe uh, who knows? Somehow he escapes. Some metal falls through a crack down there, and he's able to do what he did in uh, X Men Two. Number two, Bolivar Trask captures Mystique, takes DNA samples, and uh, eventually she escapes or she is let go because Bolivar Trask has what he needs. And then number three. Okay. Uh, uh, Professor X just snaps out of it, you know. <laughs> you know, a few a few years later, he's like, "Man, uh, I've been really a wanker. <laughs> I should so, uh, I should really stop picking on Beast and doing all these drugs and really focus on this mutant <laughs> thing I was working on." So I almost feel like um, the reason I bring that up is because I almost feel like this movie sort of doesn't lead into any of the like it basically erased x1 2 and 3 more or less well you're you're just taking the ending and just putting it right out on front here i killed the lead you you totally you i you killed yes you destroyed the lead now there's not even a point of talking about the movie adam (laughs) all right we're done (laughs) thank you for listening everybody no um so before we get to that um and we will real quick but my uh, since you bring it up, time travel paradox or or nitpick is, um, uh, boy, I had this really well thought out a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, Mystique's DNA. I had a point about that, huh? It was it was D 
DNA licious. Well, now I can't. Now I have to watch the movie. I know if I watch the movie again, I'll be like, oh, that was it. But it was uh, so the Sentinels. I'm glad in the- you're editing this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there'll be very little editing, Adam. <laughs> all of these hiccups and blurbs will all be in the episode. So in the future, they created like morphing Sentinels uh, that were based on Mystique's power, the DNA samplings that they got, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no problem there. Like that was going to happen anyways. Boy, I had a real big problem with that. <laughs> and uh, now I have forgotten what that problem was. So eh, no paradox there. Moving on. So at the end of the movie, <laughs> you how s- does um, here's here's another thing that doesn't relate to time travel. How does Beast's drug that kills Professor X's mutant powers allow him to walk? Uh, they kind of explain that, like, he's taking an overdose of it. I don't know, like, but I mean... How, what what does one have to do with the other? Yeah. Uh, and if Beast has a drug out there that allows crippled people to walk, why isn't he, like, is it is it just because the professor is a mutant that it has this weird side effect of also allowing him to walk? Or does it actually cure people that are in wheelchairs and allow everybody to walk, in which case... Beast is a total jerk for not Sharing. letting the whole world have this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's my my magical paralyzed back formula. Side effects include include lack of use of mutant ability. So, for all you non mutants, this is actually kind of a miracle drug for you. That's a good point. I just kind of chalked that one up to a plot device. Like they needed a way. Actually, I don't know why they needed him to walk at all. I mean, I guess they needed. Yeah, they really didn't need him to walk. They needed uh, something for him to be mopey about. But, I mean, really, the thing he could have been mopey about would have been the fact that Mystique betrayed him or that he thought Mystique betrayed him and he could still be in the wheelchair. Having him walk around, I guess, really didn't serve too much of a plot point. Hmm. Maybe James McAvoy was like, I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a workout regiment right now and I can't be sitting down all day. <laughs> yeah. These abs don't work themselves out, buddy. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, so anyways, uh, going back to the beginning... Those are my only main main nitpicks. Other than that, you know, I, I really don't have any complaints. <laughs> so I thought the... Okay, so the opening action sequence where they open up the movie and you've got Blink and Kitty Pride and Sunspot and uh, Iceman, uh, I thought that was a, a pretty awesome action sequence, especially with the way Blink was using her powers. Have you ever played Portal? the video game portal yeah 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 i mean it was a in in one way one could say that was a ripoff of portal and and i don't know how blink's powers work i thought she was just a teleporter but i thought it was really cool is this the first time we've ever actually seen the x-men working together as a team i i think so and if it's not it's certainly the most effective teamwork we've seen or i guess they all die (laughs) in that opening scene (laughs) but you all die but they're actually working together as a team, right. and like these are the characters that we don't ever really get to know. Right? Yeah, so it, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like the B stringers; like they know how to work it out. Whereas the headliners are like, "I'm on my own. <laughs> you guys wait here while I go do all the work." So I thought that was really cool. And and another thing that kind of struck me as, and I didn't really think about this going into the movie, but there are so many parallels uh, between this movie and other sci-fi um franchises maybe not a lot but i mean the whole plot of the movie uh go back in time to save the apocalyptic earth i mean that's terminator 2 right there well yeah 
And then the morphing robot, that's also Terminator 2. And then, like I said, the whole Blink thing is just totally reminiscent of, of Portal. There's probably some other sci-fi parallels that I didn't catch on to. But I'm I'm surprised, honestly, that more people, not that I read a ton of reviews, but more people didn't jump on that bandwagon and be like, this is a ripoff of Terminator and other things. Well, I mean, it's a sci-fi cliche, really. It's not, it's not just Terminator. Terminator was probably the first film version of it but i'm sure even that was uh from a from a short story that came from somewhere or a long form story that i'm unaware of right right i'm just wondering like <clears throat> when they were pitching it and they, or they they were doing a script review if the studio at any point was like whoa i don't know if we can do this <laughs> this smacks too much like terminator well, 2 how is that different from the comic book? Uh, it's not. That's that's my whole point. It's like if you if you really look at the history, the comic book came before Terminator, so, you know, whatever. So it's obviously the idea is based on the comic book, but if you've never read the comic book and you're just going in to watch a, a Hollywood blockbuster popcorn flick, you might leave the movie going like, boy, that was like Terminator with superheroes. Of course, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I guess... Uh, I mean, yeah, the concept is definitely Terminator, but the uh, the... The, the methodology is most certainly X-Men. It, it very much felt like an, like an X-Men film. Like it felt like it fit within the canon of all the other X-Men films. Yeah, it was definitely darker. Like I, I was considering taking my daughter to it, who's eight. And when I watched it, I was like, that's probably a good thing I didn't take my daughter to this. Because it's, it's not overtly, but I mean, there's some, there's some pretty intense uh, sceneries going on in that movie. Some Hugh Jackman butt. Uh, yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> Everybody should see a little Hugh Jackman butt, right? <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, I, don't know. I guess we don't have a choice if we saw the movie. Uh, but so the, the, the neat things again, like Blink's power, I really thought was cool. I thought somebody really spent uh, a lot of time thinking that through and choreographing it. I mean, that's not an easy feat to like say, okay, I'm going to open up a teleport window here over there and I'm going to be able to see what's happening, but at a different angle. And then the Sentinel's going to go through and, you know that was really neat to me. Uh, Iceman's ice, Iceman's ice slides uh, were not bad. And then I don't know if you noticed, but he gets crushed at the end of that whole fighting scene. Yep. Which I thought was I don't know how I felt about that because Iceman doesn't turn into ice, does he? Well, uh, you crush somebody's head, you crush his head. Yeah, but this is like this of whether or not he's ice. Yeah, but this was like crushed icicles when when they when they did it. And actually, I think later on in the comic book, Iceman does actually become ice and not just an ice coating but whatever yeah i think it depends on it's it's up to the you know the films have never been strictly uh sure. strict to the comic book in the first place and this was certainly like not uh, a, a prime example of that right um the future sentinels being you know a perfect example of something that was completely like unnecessary really you didn't yeah. need i would have much rather have seen those sentinels that were introduced on the white house lawn uh fighting x-men in the future yes but like maybe kind of like maybe like a slightly more uh faster design but like the same general look and feel yes i agree um honestly if they could have done like uh pacific rim sized sentinels taken out mutants i mean they don't need to be fast. I think that movie proves that. They can be slow, but they can be just like knocking buildings over and zapping mutants. And that's so, that's another thing that, that kind of gets me. I'm going to get a little off track here and whatever. It's my podcast. It's our podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I can wax poetic if I want to. That's the thing that bothers me in the and there's a parallel here in the in the zombie uh, genre is when you have like uh, George Romero style zombies that are slow, but there are a lot of them. It gives you the sense that the heroes of the movie have a big challenge to overcome, but it's not insurmountable because they're pretty slow and you could kind of bob and weave between them. You just get screwed up when, mm. when there's a lot of them around you. But when you get to Zack Snyder's zombies or, or other fast zombies, it's like, well, you don't even stand a chance. Like if they're faster than you and there's a million of them, you, you might as well just lay down and give up. So it's the same thing with the Sentinel. <laughs> If you have like a bunch of big giant sentinels that are super powerful and super destructive, well, they're slower, so you might be able to outrun them. They're bigger, so you might be able to hide in like a nook or a cranny here. But when you've got like morphing human-sized sentinels that are super fast and can fly, what chance do you have? <laughs> None. So it take, take, kind of takes the suspense out of like the whole feel for me. Well, that's just I think- my take. I'm thinking about the plot. I guess the whole reason they killed everybody off in the beginning was so that they could show you that whole uh, Kitty Pride suddenly has the ability to teleport everybody back 10 minutes or whatever. No. Or or teleport Bishop back uh, an hour so that he can warn them that the Sentinels are coming so that they can go somewhere else. Right. So they, they kind of needed that uh, that whole scene where they get slaughtered. Oh, I, yeah. And that was... Which, which I guess has nothing to do with whether or not they're like super sentinels or regular sentinels. But for, for, know, I'm just kind of... The, yeah. The sentinel aside, no matter what kind of sentinel it is, I thought that was a pretty neat plot device to show them all getting destroyed. And you're like, oh, my God, this, this just got real. And then to have them like do that whole uh, thing you just said and then they're elsewhere... I thought that was pretty neat. Like, okay, now we're kind of we're 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 uh, introducing this ability that we have somebody on the team that can send uh, somebody's personality back to warn everybody. And after a while, they're going to get used to it. They're like, okay, Bishop, uh, is this a cool place? And you know, because you're kind of expecting it. Um, so, right. th- so that was a cool idea. The, the biggest problem I had, though, is. Like, why is it Kitty that has this power? Yeah, it's sort of strange that I guess because prob- probably because they want they because Kitty was the person that they originally sent back, and they wanted they wanted her involved somehow. I know, but even in the movies, that's, that's the only explanation that I can I can have for it. It's like why not introduce a a character named Rachel? Well, you don't even have to say is Rachel Summers. They sure. never said Rachel Summers in the comic book. Right. So, you know, when when we heard that Kitty was going to be in the movie, we were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And Ellen Page is in the role. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know, she did it once before. She can do it again. She's She makes a good Kitty pride. But I got to wonder, like, when she was reading the script, she's like, okay, wait. So I just stand here with my hands on Hugh Jackman's head. That's that's <laughs> that's what I do. I got, like, six lines of dialogue, and that's what I do. And they're like, yes. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, paycheck to paycheck. She's not a very good actress. Um <laughs> She's good. In, I have to say, she was good in I, Juno, but she, yeah, she's she not. Good Juno, but I think, I think she's one of those actresses like Halle Berry, who, if you don't have a director who's who can get that uh, actorly performance out of you, then you're not gonna, you're you're kind of floundering. So I think I blame Brian Singer for for both Halle Berry and uh, Ellen Page. Yeah, well, I mean, neither of those characters, Kitty Pryde or Storm, were really, they were always kind of second-string characters. Even though Storm was kind of introduced as a first-string character in the first movie, she's just never utilized, really. She was, she had a lot of screen time in that movie, but not much dialogue, and you never got the idea of 
her African heritage or like, I don't know. She, yeah. To me, she's not Storm. Like she's just, I don't know. She's a woman with, with, with uh, weather powers. And the same thing with Kitty Pride is like, I don't know if in Hollywood it pays to be like, okay, here's your backstory. You're kind of a geeky kid who's really good with electronics and you're, you're pretty headstrong and you're confident in yourself and your abilities. That's your backstory. Kind of work with that. And, now you have six lines of dialogue. Go. <laughs> like, Or do they just like, just read this and let's get on with the next scene? And that's pretty much how it was, is like all of the movies have been the Professor X, Magneto, and Wolverine show. Mm-hmm. And then with First Class, they added in Mystique. I would argue that in X2, they, mm-hmm. they gave Nightcrawler a really strong personality, too. Of course, but he never appeared again. Well, right. <laughs> but he was he was good in X-Men, too. No, he was good. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you that he was good. Uh, it's just that the thread through the movies has been Professor sure. X and Magneto's relationship, and of course, Wolverine's experiences. And then when they did First Class, now it's all about uh, let's let's throw Mystique into the mix. So now it's yeah. about Professor X, Mystique, and uh, Magneto's relationships. So. And then, now this was, and then the last one didn't have Wolverine, so this one was that plus Wolverine. Right. Yep. Nope. I agree. Totally agree. So the problem that, not the problem. The, the so I, I guess I, I kind of was like this power that Kitty has kind of came out of left field, right? We didn't even get like a line of dialogue of like, well, oh, ten years ago I discovered I could do this. It was just like I do this. <laughs> it's like okay, great. Moving well, on. We didn't get a line of dialogue explaining Blink's power or Bishop's power. Uh, Yep. Bishop's power was I would I could I could actually if you didn't know what Bishop's power was like if if I was not if I was not an X Men fan or a even a like a superhero fan yeah I would have walked out of the theater kind of confused about what his power was I went with a couple of friends uh, uh, one friend who read later X Men and another friend who read earlier X Men neither of them were really that familiar. Uh, with Bishop, and they both did ask me, like, so what was Bishop's powers? Yeah, like, they didn't explain it very well, and, and then the Sunspot's pretty obvious. Right. But see, here's my argument to that, is that Sunspot, Blink, and Bishop were newly introduced. So when you introduce a new character, you can be like, here's a character, and here's what they do. Kitty was already introduced as this girl who could phase. So now yeah. you're being like, well, she can phase, and she can send people back in time. And I was just like, well... Yeah. And plus, it's such a far stretch from the comic book. What I would have preferred to have seen is in the trailer, they really set it up to be like the professor and Magneto need to be together in order to do this thing. Like, I really thought it should have been the professor and Magneto. Maybe Magneto is spinning like some metal cylinders around Wolverine. The professor is concentrating on Wolverine's psyche and you have another mutant pick one that does something to complete the transfer. And then you're like, okay, it's complicated, so it must be plausible. <laughs> Rather than Kitty right. just holding on to her, his head, being like, okay, I have to concentrate, and I, I can't lose focus, otherwise I'll rip him from time and things will be all screwed up. So, that, so what happens to Wolverine in the end? Um, I'm jumping forward now. Like, so, so do, what, like, all right, how do I explain this? Um, the Wolverine's, Wolverine gets transferred into his younger self, yep. but then changes the future. Yep, and then wakes up in the future, but doesn't. But he is his, himself again, but doesn't remember anything that happened between now and then. Yep. So what happened to Wolverine's younger self? 
Well, so they, I mean, they flipped to his. Did he transfer? Did he flip back to the Wolverine that he was? And he just woke up and he was like, oh, where am I? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. But how come he doesn't remember then? Well, that that gets back into the whole. There, there's two reasons for that, Adam. The movie reason would be that that's the whole time travel uh, thing. Because she, she, yeah, Kitty actually sets that up in the beginning. She says, uh, "If we do this and you're successful, you're going to be the only one that remembers it. Nobody else to everybody else, what has happened will be what has happened. But you're going to be the only one that knows of what." This is so they kind of the professor somehow kind of knows. Well, that makes sense because Wolverine came back and said, I'm from the future. You sent me and you have to the future's bad. And you sent me here and Magneto and all this sort of stuff. So the professor is the only one out of that whole group that knows of the story. He doesn't know what happened in the future because he wasn't there. Right. Right. But he knows it because Wolverine told him about it. And then when they get to the future, that's when he's like, oh, welcome back, <laughs> which is kind of I bought it. But the other thing is what it did is it pulled a, it pulled a Star Trek on us. Right. So, so, well, Star Trek, the reboot, basically, they said Spock came back in time and these Romulans came back in time and and they changed the whole course of time. And now it's a it's a it's greenfield. You can do whatever you want to. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so they basically rebooted the franchise without rebooting the franchise. Yeah. I mean, by doing what they did, by changing they created the... created an alternate timeline. Exactly. So now whatever they do with the next first class movie or the next X-Men movie or whatever they want to do, it can be kind of, it can be canon. Like that's why at the very end of the movie, you saw Jean Grey walking the halls or because she, in this timeline she didn't die somehow and scott summers didn't die either and right it still doesn't explain how professor x didn't is like you know the the see the the weird thing is like the scene at the end of the wolverine doesn't make sense no it doesn't with this movie it's like hey i'm at this airport everything's pretty normal there's this uh there's this tv screen saying bolivar trask industries like what's that about oh look it's magneto he's got his powers back oh look it's the professor how are you back (laughs) oh well uh you're not the only one with special abilities, and I'm never going to explain what that means. <laughs> well, and that's then, bam, that, future, deadly future. That's kind of in line with the professor, don't you think? He could be like, <laughs> I guess so. He could be like, well, that, that was the changeling. <laughs> what you didn't see between X Men Two and X Men Three was the was it the cha- no, it was Mimic or Changeling or one of those two took my place because I had to right. I had to fight Lucifer. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that, of course, that's a little disturbing. So Magneto, you can explain off because at the end of X3, he's sitting in the park and he's like trying to get his mutant powers to work. And you see the little metal pawn kind of move a little bit. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe he, I mean, he's powerful enough. Maybe he gets his powers back. At the end of that same movie, you also see the professor, uh, wake up in the paralyzed boy's body and say, hello, Moira. But none yeah, of Patrick the, Stewart's voice. right. But none of that explains how the paralyzed boy turns into looking like the professor unless hear me out adam unless the professor's using his mental powers to make everybody think that the paralyzed boy looks like patrick stewart bam <laughs> and why isn't why is the professor using like okay if he is in the paralyzed boy yeah shouldn't he be able to walk now well the boy's paralyzed adam that means he can't walk that means he can't do anything. Well, he was able to 
do some therapy on his arms. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just got to get these arms working. <laughs> we'll be back to normal. <laughs> so, yes, that's a little bit more. That's a that's a further stretch than Magneto just getting his powers back. So, yes, that's a little bother. And, and, and I'm honestly fine with that. Brian Singer was like, how are we going to explain this? Let's just not explain it and move forward. What I don't like is that the, the, the end of the Wolverine was like this great scene where we, we get psyched about the days of future past. And it turns out that it really doesn't connect to it at all. I get, unless, I mean, unless it's like 10 years later. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, we, we kind of joked about that in our little preview review of uh, there's something happening. We're going to have to work together in 20 years. So just warning you, just, just to let you know, 20 years from now, we're going to get together and we're going to do this thing. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know. Oh, and then the other thing is, uh, how, how did Wolverine get his claws back? Yeah, yeah, right. No, no line. I mean, just maybe even drop a line, like have a, a Eric Lencher come in and be like, Ever since I repaired your claws, you've been a better man or happier man or something, anything. But no, it's just like randomly he pops his claws and you're like, oh, those are metal claws. He, he, yeah. We saw them get cut off. He grew bone ones back, which we can accept because of his healing factor. And now he's got metal claws. Like, hello, continuity, consistency, one of the two. This is why I have to go back to what I said at the end of our review episode, or our review of the review, uh, the trailer, <laughs> is that all of these movies are not connected. Um, one, each one is a different movie. The Professor's Airplane. Do you remember The, the Professor's, professor's airplane? airplane? In this movie? Yeah. So he has, a, he has an airplane? There was an airplane. It was only on the screen briefly, but so they go, they, at the beginning of the movie, they do that whole fight thing. They die, but then the, and then the professor says, "Oh, there they are!" And then you see this airplane. It's like this very futuristic-looking blackbird with wings that expand and and stretch out and stuff. And it flies to I don't remember where they were. I think it was China. China, yes. And so earlier in the and movie, the professor's in his floating wheelchair. Yes, and then they get off the airplane, and then they they spend time at that cathedral doing the thing that they're going to do. So at the beginning of the movie, it's established that. Um, everything's kind of falling apart. The Sentinels took over and blah, 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 blah. So how does the professor have this very high-tech futuristic airplane? And how come that airplane isn't a beacon for every Sentinel to be like, oh, professor's flying again. We should go get him. <laughs> and then, I didn't like that. Yeah. Sort of deviates from the comic book. I would have liked to have seen some internment camps. Yeah, totally. I was a little disappointed. I thought we were going to get that because the opening shot, you see the bodies being dumped out of a dump truck and you're like, oh man. And then you, you kind of like you, I wanted to see actually, as I was thinking about it, I wanted to see, um, uh, food lines and other, like, how does this affect the humans? Cause you didn't really see that too much. You saw a lot of sentinels. You said you wanted to, you wanted to see uh, buses drawn by horses. Yeah. I didn't get that scene, but in lieu of that scene, even if like, as you're panning through, this is what I guess kind of bothered me is they spent a lot of money on that opening shot where they, they zoom through the Empire State Building and they zoom down and they kind of show you like the destroyed buildings and they I think they show you maybe some skeletons and it's a kind of a – what I would have preferred to have seen is maybe, fine, keep the Empire State Building shot, but make it a, like a five to seven minute panning shot going all the way through New York and you see maybe some mutants being chased by – big sentinels you see some humans around the corner kind of waiting for water and bread and just kind there of sh- there, did, 
where were all the humans in this future? There were none. Yeah, it's so bizarre. It's like they, we don't even know what happens to the humans. So that's what I kind of wanted to see. I think there was like a little dialogue of like, you know, the war affected humans and mutants together and blah, blah, blah. But I wanted to see a lot of that. And I think you really I think all the money they spent in that opening CG shot, they could have also thrown in some practical effects and, and people and stuff to really show like this is serious and this this needs to to change kind of like the opening shot of uh of x-men where they're pulling magneto away from his family i mean that really takes you out of like oh we're gonna watch a superhero movie and you're watching this scene you're like oh my god that poor boy right yeah, it's, yeah. and well, i didn't well that's like you know that's the scene kind of kind of the whole point of the first x-men movie was to embed it in the real world yeah but I thought this is why the X Men have the leather jackets yeah. and don't have colorful costumes and so. Anyways, I, I thought I thought an opening scene like that, and it didn't have to be long. It could have been, and it didn't have to be like you didn't have to come back to it ever. You could have just done it once, and then we, the audience member, just see like see what does the future look like if this type of thing happens. And I think that I don't know would have made it a little bit more gritty, more real. Instead, what we get is like an, a slightly older Quicksilver like picking up an old X belt. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Why is this scene here? I don't even remember that. It's really brief. Like they do that shot and they, you see the bodies being dumped and the camera pans over and you see a guy with silver hair walk up to some of the uh, debris and he wipes down uh, some of the debris away and he's it's a X belt that he finds and then you cut away to the battle that they had. Well, it's been three weeks. Yeah. So, anyway, so that I mean that brings. I do plan on going to see it again, though. So I'll, I'll be on the lookout for that. It's it's brief, and you're kind of watching it, being like, okay, well, what's the point of this? Because you don't know who he is. You've never seen him before, and you're you're kind of like, okay, maybe this guy is, you know, looking for the X Men's hideout so that he can join them and join the resistance. But then it just cuts away, and you're like, okay, well. That was an interesting scene. But that brings us to uh, the Quicksilver scene. What would you think of that? I thought that was awesome. The Quicksilver, Quicksilver was pretty cool. Like they they had just the right amount of Quicksilver in the movie because any more and it would have started to get annoying. Yes. So it was a lot of fun and it, it was kind of cool. And I, I you know, I, I, I feel like that's been done before mm-hmm. where they do like this is this is what fast speed looks like to somebody in fast motion but still it was uh, uh you know everything everything becomes slow motion so i wonder if that's like i want to know if i really did have super fast speed would everything slow down like that or is that just a sci-fi trope it's an interpretation yeah it's an interpretation i guess i mean it it was effective because and if you don't do that scene then all you have is a guy who can run real fast yeah it was a great scene he puts on his headphones he runs around the room he does all these little alterations it was it was it was probably one of the best scenes in the film and the scene was long and you're like i didn't get it i liked the whole scene but i'm like wow this is a really long scene for this and then the payoff and you know what's going to happen right like the soup's going to fall in his head and this guy's going to punch that guy and it's going to be a very three stooge moment you know it's coming the whole time uh but still like when it happens everybody laughed uh, and yeah and you're like wow that that paid off <laughs> like i didn't think this was going to work but it totally worked and then you're right then they kind of dropped him off and like okay thanks quicksilver see you later <laughs> peace out 
So, I mean... We'll cut to you later with some girl that's your, like, little girl that's your sister. Oh, did they? Maybe not. He was watching TV. He was watching TV with 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 some girl that he was like babysitting or something. Mm, I didn't catch but that. Who knows if it was? I think it was a reference to Lorna Dane, not uh, not Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Really? Hmm. Could be because Scarlet Witch and and, and uh, Quicksilver are twins. Right. So they would have had to have been the same age. True that. True that. Um. Interesting side note, I guess the Avengers franchise or Marvel Studios has also claimed Quicksilver, so there will be a Quicksilver in the next Avengers movie. We've already seen him. If you watched, uh, if you watched, was the last Marvel movie, Captain America? Two? No, I haven't seen it. Captain America 2? Oh, well, so spoilers for you. <laughs> Damn it, Adam, the whole movie's ruined. No, I've heard Captain America 2 is good. I just haven't, I, just, I don't know. I'm probably going to watch it and be like, damn, I should have seen this in the big screen. Yeah, yeah, you should have. <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, uh, we're not. this isn't the Captain America cast. Um, it's probably still playing at cheap theaters. You should go see it. I yeah, probably should. So we already talked about the the no usage of Big Sentinels, which I thought was kind of a letdown. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of used it a little bit at the end when Magneto was like, do your thing. And then it was like, okay, now we get to see them in action, even though, you know, we never, we never, it's not really seeing them in action i so that that was a little bit of a letdown even but uh even at the same time it's like you know it 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 wasn't the story they were telling the story they were telling was magneto's betrayal of everybody and I, uh i did how he just kind of like constantly does his own thing he's a selfish dude I guess. I mean, that did kind of puzzle me to a certain degree. So, I mean, they wanted to rescue Magneto. Why did they want to rescue Magneto or free Magneto? Because they thought that they would need both Magneto and the Professor to stop Mystique. Okay. So, they they do kind of, but then... Magneto decides that Mystique is so driven that the only way to prevent this future is for him to kill Mystique. But then eventually he realizes, like, well, all right, she's she's seen the error of her way and she's learned. And then it's almost as if he's about to kill the president with that whole stadium thing that he brought over. Right. Which was, that's, that was I was wondering what the heck he was doing with that stadium. So I was I, like, this, this, this seems like... <laughs> kind of a waste of effort to be like lifting up this stadium and then i realized like he was surrounding the white house with it and i was like oh that's pretty cool did you i didn't i i was like i just thought it was kind of i don't know showboaty i thought it was a lot of oh it was showboaty but i mean that's what made it cool is because that's what magneto would do is something massively ridiculously showboaty to surround the white house with a giant stadium it's just you know yeah it's a special effect that makes sense for his character so and then he takes over all the sentinels and you know it's that's it it, it makes perfect sense within the context of the the the, it, the first class storyline so he does that and he's 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 gonna he wants to kill the president is that what was or did he want to kill Bolivar Trask? Who did he want to kill? I don't know. I, I thought what he was going to, when, when he kidnaps or when he rewrites, he like embeds metal into the Sentinels. Yeah. I thought that he was going to have it rewired so that they were going to be killing humans. Right. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. No, that... I thought that when the Sentinels were released, they were going to like start killing humans and it was going to be like 
superhuman slaughter time. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> that's, that's dark. Well, it, they didn't go that dark. So I guess I got kind of confused by that, but, but, but even still like the professor stops him and the Sentinel program is canceled because the X-Men showed that they've got compassion and stuff like that. But don't you think that, that if a mutant or somebody was to take a stadium and drop it around the Capitol and take the bunker out from the Capitol and drop it, or the White House rather, and drop it on the front lawn and like pretty much like be really close to having destroyed that entire, uh, all of those people that were there, even though they were stopped, wouldn't that add fire or fuel to the anti-mutant fervor? Or fire, as Plus, it were. Plus, this is the guy that they already think killed a prior president. Exactly. So, wouldn't wouldn't somebody? I mean, okay. So, Bolivar Trask is he's done. He's not killed, right? He's found guilty of some crime or something. Or I don't remember what happened. He's disgraced somehow. Uh, but wouldn't somebody else come along and like maybe ten years later and be like, you know, everybody forgot about that whole Magneto thing, but think about it, it could happen again. We must stop them. We must destroy these mutants. I mean, that doesn't seem like it would do much for the mutant cause. Larry Trask. Yeah, yeah. Bolivar's son comes along and is like, they killed my father. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 pretty sketchy. The amount of damage that Magneto causes is pretty pretty fearful. Right. So, you know, yeah, they, but I mean, I guess they're trying to say that they're good mutants and the good mutants are able to stop Magneto barely. Therefore, we should (laughs) probably think about this a little more. Yeah. Well, rather than putting them all away, we should trust that the X-Men will always be there to save us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Seems pretty unlikely in the realistic world, but we don't know. We don't know what the next film's going to start out as. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that was a little thin, I thought, as well. Like, sure, they stopped um, Mystique from killing Bolivar Trask, but in the meantime, they caused a hell of a lot of damage and probably scared a lot of people. And, they, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you have the president, uh, you, the, the, that's like DEFCON 4. Like, nuclear armaments are probably being armed from all over the world to be like they're not coming over here or you know get the vice president on the other side of the country and if anything happens we're just going to blow them up and i don't know seems like it would have been a lot more serious than the movie actually portrayed it which was another cool scene was when they all went into the little little room in the white house and then magneto pulled that room out of the white house i thought that was pretty funny that was that was pretty funny too yes i agree magneto just came off as a super awesome badass in this movie he did. Um, he was just a really bad dude. But I thought he was all over the place. I mean, because at the beginning, when they rescue uh, them, um, Professor Xavier's like, you know what you did. And he's like, I didn't kill him. I was there to prevent the murder. He was one of us, you know, kind of indicating that JFK was a mutant. And so you're like, oh, okay. So he's just a misunderstood guy. And then so for the next 30 or 40 minutes of the movie, you're like, okay, he's on the right side of history. Like he's heard Wolverine's story. He's friends with Professor X. But then he snaps. And then then he turns completely evil. Yeah, well, but there's potential for that from the, from. I guess without this, this movie needs first class. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So so maybe maybe this movie just doesn't stand on its own, but it does need... It does need first class. It definitely doesn't need X one, two, or three, or either of the Wolverine movies. But it, it definitely does need first class. 
Yeah. Yeah, to set well, to set up the whole thing. And it's truly it's a it's a sequel to First Class and it just happens to feature well, it's almost like a Wolverine movie featuring First Class with backup performances by X one, two, and three. Right. It's, you know? It's weird. Um although I, I will say that towards the end of the movie when Wolverine is uh when when uh, Magneto puts all that rebar through his body and like deposits him in the river and he's drowning. Yeah. Like you, you almost. I almost was. As I was watching the movie. Like the, he's, he's not in the movie for like twenty minutes, and I almost forgot about him. To be honest, as <laughs> they're on the Capitol lawn because like all of that stuff was happening. And um, it's interesting in the comic books, drowning is the one way you can actually kill Wolverine. Yeah. Well, I just remember so. it was interesting that they they chose that method, and I remember when he was in the water with all the metal through his body. I'm like, well, how the hell is he going to get through this? Uh, yeah, I mean, he he in the comic books he shouldn't have. That 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 that's how Wolverine killed his son Dakin was by drowning him. Well, I didn't know he had a son. Well, you you've lost continuity for a while then. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> so I mean, that does kind of bring up the end. So I mean, throughout the entire movie, um, General Stryker, a young General Stryker, and for the love of God, could we move on past General Stryker? Because he's been in like four. Yeah, of that was annoying now. and. The then Wolverine seeing him and like slicing up Ellen Page in the future. I was just like, oh come on, that didn't make nobody. Nobody yeah. knows who this is. Well, it didn't make much sense. I guess from a couple of perspectives. Like if you're coming out of this as a somebody who's only watched the first class movies, you have no idea what's going on. But on, but the second right. thing is the Wolverine personality that is in the seventies Wolverine is the Wolverine from 2020 or 2030 or whatever year they're supposed to be from. So presumably by this time, he's had a lot of time to, you know, I don't know, meditate, Zen, like kind of get over this thing that uh, general striker has done to him. So you would think that him seeing general striker would be like, Oh, so this is what you look like as a young punk. I should do something about you and not flip out. Like he did. I thought that was a little over the top. Yeah. But I mean, and then I didn't. Under, I, and then at the end, would Mystique is General Striker? Uh, what does that mean? So, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when or mistaken, <laughs> that's punny. When Wolverine wakes up in the future that he has saved, I think one of the first things he does, and I could be mistaken, but I think he pops his claws, and he's got mm. metal claws. So the only way for that to happen is if the Weapon X project happens. So I'm not sure if they're trying to say that Mystique killed Stryker or decided to cut a deal with Stryker or what. But I don't know what they're doing there. But I think they're setting up like Weapon X happens anyways. It's just that Mystique makes it happen. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. It did not make a whole lot of sense. Which wipes out X2. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, X2 has been wiped out. by All those movies have been wiped out. Even, um, even, I guess, the sec, not the first... The first Wolverine movie, when did that happen? That was in the 70s, wasn't it? Well, that was that was featured a young General Striker. Yeah, actually, the first Wolverine movie was a bunch of different decades, but I thought the bulk of that movie took place in the 70s, so potentially that's even been erased. It, everything's been erased. I mean, basically, they, 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 they rebooted, but somehow they kept... Personally, I think they should just reboot the freaking franchise <laughs> and just like, okay, we set our piece... It's time to start over. The Avengers did colorful costumes successfully. Yeah. Let's see some X-Men with colorful costumes. I don't think they're going to do that. I would love no, 
I, would, I know they're not because if you stayed until the end of the credits, you saw the apocalypse scene, which is apparently the next movie. Right. So Fox apparently has taken a page from Marvel and has decided like, oh, we should do a little more. We should do more sneak peeks and introduce yeah. major villains. Um, but then you got to ask yourself like, all right, well, we saw what they did at the end of the Wolverine movie and we saw what they did at the end of the X3 movie. Neither of those things seem to really fit into the next movie. So who's to say if Apocalypse is going to be the next enemy or if it's going to be Age of Apocalypse or whatever, but I don't know. Well, Brian Singer has already tweeted that he's working on the the, the script for the next one, which will be called Apocalypse uh, Day, uh, whatever it is. I don't know. Days of the, Future the big Apocalypse. Apocalypse story that happened. Age of Apocalypse? I want to say Apocalypse now, but it's not that. Age of Apocalypse, yes. So two things about that. First of all, can Brian Singer bounce back from his sexual misconduct allegations to even direct the next film? Yeah, of course he can. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, Roman Polanski. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. And number two, how does one do an Age of Apocalypse movie? That just, that doesn't... How do you do that? Well, it's the same thing. I mean, they're doing they're doing a movie called the next Avengers movie is Age of Ultron. They're not they're not literally doing the Age of Ultron comic because that takes place in the future where Ultron has already dominated the world. They're just appropriating the title. Okay. The title. So, so it'll be just like introducing Apocalypse and I don't know the Four Horsemen. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was neat. I mean. The guys I was with, like, they both looked at me and they're like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, like, pretty, uh, the, the people I went to go see with were like, so who is that? Who was that? Yeah. And I was like, Apocalypse. And they were like, who's Apocalypse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, I got one of those as well. Well, he was an uh, – actually, a friend of mine launched into – he's like, oh, they're going to do X-Factor. And I'm like, no, <laughs> they're not going to do X-Factor. It's just going to be – you know, Apocalypse is going to show up and maybe screw up the Earth, and the X-Men will save the day. Um, yeah. Other things, though, from from the actual movie itself, um, you know, there was a lot of... Uh, it was, uh, like uh, like we talked about, there was at least two or three different really good action scenes. There seemed to be a lot of dialogue, which is good, a lot of kind of character building, but between the characters you mentioned, Professor X, Magneto, Wolverine mystique um i didn't really care too much for mystique's uh arc in this movie um she just she was kind of like a freedom fighter where she goes and she's like releasing a bunch of mutants you get to see havoc and yeah whoever um but then bunch, you... some other some other dudes that i don't know who they were and then toad you kind of wonder like well i mean yeah, there was Toad and there was a couple of others like oh those are brotherhood of evil mutant people but you kind of wonder like okay so Havoc was a major character last movie. He's in this movie. Like, how come nobody was like, where's Havoc? We should go find Havoc. And then when she goes, she breaks into Bolivar Trask's uh, lab and she goes through and she sees all the mutants that they've killed. And right. she's like, remember, and, and Magneto even says something later. It's like, remember Azazel and, and whatever all the hell their other names were. Right. It's like, Ugh. Do we have to remind everybody of that Azazel was there? <laughs> well, I thought it was at least, you know, they're they're not completely saying, okay, well, we had these characters last movie and uh, we're going to completely ignore them. They basically said, and there was like a couple of different things, though, that was going on. They, they were sending some of them to Vietnam and some of them had been captured for testing purposes, I thought was 
mentioned in the movie? I mean, certainly that yeah, scene and, in Vietnam. That's, that's, they were they were being transferred to Bolivar Trask, and right. that's what Mystique saved them from. See, the, the the thing that I find like the first class and Days of Future Past movies, um, without Wolverine going backwards in the past, mm-hmm. um, still do not end up at X one, two, and three. Hang on, like, wait, hold on to that thought. I just remembered my Mystique thing. Are you ready for this? Okay. Okay. So, in the movie, Mystique is going to kill Bolivar Trask. And the death of Bolivar Trask creates the events that eventually lead to the government okaying the Sentinel Project, leading to the Morphe Sentinels of the future, right? But Mm -hmm. in the movie, Bolivar Trask has an idea that there is a Morphe mutant somewhere, but he doesn't know who it is. He doesn't know where this Morphe mutant is until she shows up and her assassination attempt is thwarted, at which point she is shot. She falls out the window and he gets a blood sample that he tests. and He's like, oh, my God, I need more of this. Find me that mutant, which he couldn't have done if he had died. Therefore, without all of that happening, those Morphe Sentinels could never have been created. Boom! There, I got it. Well, that can be explained by somebody else picks up his 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 work. I mean, they take his his Sentinel work. They have Mystique, and they continue his work. That's too simple, Adam. <laughs> well, I don't know. I thought that, I thought your answers to mine were pretty simple too. So <laughs> I I accepted your simpleness. I don't accept yours. <laughs> that's why I say that there can't be Morphe mutants in the future, and that's why they should have been big giant mutants. But well, I I understand they needed to. Well, they didn't need to. They wanted to for the Hollywood effect to have Morphe Morphe sentinels. But to answer your question, you're right. All of the stuff that happened. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. Um, if Mystique kills Bolivar Trask and the Sentinel project goes on like that can happen for 20 years kind of like yeah but then like in X1 2 and 3 mutants are kind of not really they're not like whatever everybody just kind of forgot about the mutants but what major thing had happened in the public eye mutant wise prior to the failed prior to when Wolverine intercepted uh Mystique and, and thwarted the the attack magneto killed jfk yeah but they knew that there i mean that happened and there was the grassy knoll and to the public they could be like yeah magic bullet theory but internally they could be like ooh, that mag- master of magnetism was the guy behind it so why isn't the government like i don't know it just seems kind of bizarre that the government isn't more involved in x1 2 and 3 i'll tell you why adam because most of the JFK records have been sealed. I mean, think about how many movies and books and conspiracy theories there exist in real life about JFK's murder that in the continuity of the X-Men, if Magneto was the person who was controlling the bullet that killed uh, JFK, they could have covered it all up, locked up those files, and future presidential administrations would be like, yeah, magic bullet theory. Yeah, but okay. All right. Try it. Okay. Fair enough. But digging further, <laughs> Okay, how do you... How do you uh, – so Mystique knows that they stole her blood and she's hanging out with Magneto in X1, 2, and 3. She doesn't though. Doesn't she tell – how does she – do they wipe her memory? She doesn't know that they stole her blood. Her blood doesn't get stolen until after her assassination attempt is thwarted. No, 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 no. 
in the future where Wolverine doesn't go back into the past and she kills Bolivar Trask. Right. That's why I'm she, saying that's why they I'm capture they capture her, they steal her blood. Wait. They hold her for a while. They create sentinels. Uh do they, do they... one, two, and three happen. So somewhere she escapes. So but she knows she knows that the government's been working on her for a while. Doesn't she like go to Magneto and say, Hey, the government's been working on me for a while. I don't know what that's all about, but we should probably dig into that. Seems like a big sort of anti-mutant thing, and I know you're into those anti-mutant things. So did did they say that in the movie? Did they say that they captured and held Mystique? Yes. They did? They said they said that that is what, like, she kills Bolivar Trask. Yes. And then they capture her. Oh. And that's when they get her blood and take Bolivar Trask's, uh, you know, uh, blueprints or whatever and they don't say who but somebody you know that, that's where those future sentinels come oh, from so my theory is completely Oliver Trask's work plus mystique's blood okay so my theory is completely unfounded well that's what i was trying to tell you. <laughs> damn it i thought i was onto something i focused on that so much that i i guess i had i guess i don't remember them saying that mystique had been captured but then i guess you're right i mean if that's the case then then yes then you would think that rather than Magneto and Mystique being bent on taking over the world. Well, maybe maybe they're like, oh, we're not getting anywhere with this whole government thing. Let's turn everybody into mutants, a la X-Men 1. And then we'll... Yeah, I guess. And then everybody who's a mutant won't want to create Sentinels, and the Sentinel project will go away. You're right. It, it, it does create a lot of problems for the entire continuity, even if you take away the future that... Especially X3, where in the danger room they fight a Sentinel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. That was I had a theory about that early on that all of these would tie together and that would explain how in the danger room they were fighting as sentinels because they had in the past. But yep, you're right. No, it's all been erased. Well it's not just that, but it all like they're they're just two completely separate franchises. I mean you have X one, two and three. Yep. And they just don't connect at all to first class and Days of Future Rest, even though they 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 really kind of want them to, and the Wolverine but, movies too. You gotta because and the Wolverine the Wolverines like uh, the Wolverine connects to X one two and three, but Wolverine Origins doesn't seem to connect to anything. Uh, there, I also heard that for the next movie they want Gambit, and I'm like, didn't they kill Gambit and Wolverine? Well, I know they're talking about. I think they cast Channing Tatum as Gambit. Yeah. And they're talking about making a Gambit movie. Oh, I doubt that's ever going to happen. Okay. Well, anyways, I don't know. I don't know if Channing Tatum's uh, star power is great enough to sustain a movie based on a mutant that barely anybody really knows. I mean, Gambit's not one of the more popular. Uh, he's not like a Wolverine. No, no. He, yeah, he's he's not. I mean, maybe for the maybe for the comic book aficionado, right? He's like a Wolverine-esque character, but for the the general public, they're like, who? So anyways, yeah, you're right. Um, I guess that's why I had assumed that maybe he was just cast for the next movie. Because I would go see a standalone Gambit movie, but uh, you're right. With Channing Tatum? I, he's a, I don't know. It's, uh, no, actually, he was in that White House movie, and that was not good. But he's been in some other good movies. I, I can never forgive him for playing Duke and G.I. Joe. <laughs> he did a fine job as Duke. Actually, I don't really remember 
in the second G.I. Joe, they kill him off in the first 10 minutes. That was probably at his request. He's like, I'm Channing Tatum. Kill me. I don't want to be in this movie anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, so they're not going to... It doesn't appear that they're going to kill this franchise or this continuity franchise off and reboot. And but, but they already sort of have. And it's actually like, I don't know, First Class and Days of Future Past are, I would say better movies than x1 2 and 3 i'm putting it out there really yeah i think i think the costumes are better and more uh comic booky to the original the uh the storyline seems more cohesive x1 2 and 3 for me just they don't hold up very well i I know everybody like x1 is like abysmal to watch no it's filled with horrible dialogue. Maybe, but no. No, I really... X, X2, you know, I know everybody loves it, but I just find it so boring. It gets a little long in the tooth, I'll give you that. It's slow. It is slow, but it's 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 slow, and then it picks back up. And, and then X3 is just mostly crap. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that. X-Men 1, I've said it before, will always have a special place in my heart because it's the first movie I went to where I was like, oh, they're treating this material pretty seriously. Not the first movie. And I agree with you 100%, but that doesn't mean that it's a good movie. (laughs) I've rewatched it. I mean, if you made that exact same movie today with that exact same character, uh, uh, those exact same actors, the exact same dialogue, the exact same effects, it would play terribly you are correct but yeah it would be it would be like watching uh daredevil when daredevil came out that's not a good daredevil was never good i i liken it to this maybe i can't even do that i was going to use peewee's big adventure as my example because that movie is (laughs) fraught with like uh special effects mistakes and and other problems but you know to us we grew up on the movie and and you watch it again you're like i love this movie but if you showed it to somebody today who is 14, they might be like, what the hell is this? Right. So I don't know. X-Men 1 and 2 captured that in me so that I watch it and I don't see it as a movie that was created today. I see it as a movie that was, uh, what was that, 99 or something that X-1 came out? I think it was 2001. Could be. I mean, it was it was a long time ago, but does it stand the test of time? I mean, I don't know. Like, I still like the original Dawn of the Dead. And if you really watch that movie and, and, and there's some pretty bad dialogue in there. And there's some special effects that don't quite hold up. And, and But, I mean, if you, I don't know, if you, I don't know, I... If you watch it with, and you've got the sentimental attachment to it, to me, it still it still holds up. Well, that's the thing. I think you have the nostalgia factor, and you have the sentimental attachment movie, and you have the importance of historical factor. And uh, and for those three movie reasons, it's like this is this is an important movie. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I should just shut my mouth and no, watch I... it and see if I actually. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm basing this all on memory. What we're gonna so do? So I, I haven't actually sat down and rewatched it in a long time. What we're gonna so do, maybe Adam? I should, maybe I should go do that. Maybe I should go rewatch it. No, and no. See if it what, is, what, what we're gonna do? What we're gonna do, Adam? Not today. Not this week. Not this month. Not even next month. But sometime in the future is we are going to watch it together and we're going to talk about it as the movie plays and do kind of a danger room commentary track. Oh boy. <laughs> But but it'll just be you won't. Can we do that only if we get like if people out there want us to? 
because I'm gonna I'm gonna convince you as we watch the movie as to why it's an important film and all of the scenes that that play perfectly and and uh, yes, listeners, if you're out there. Um, if we get 200 votes for that, I'll do it. 200? Oh, my God. Well, it's got to be 200. All right. The, the challenge is out there, folks. Um, yeah. So anyways, to, to carry on with that thought, um, first class was good. But, I mean, by the time they got to first class, I mean, they wanted to do something new. They wanted to keep the franchise alive. I, I don't think they wanted to go down the cliched path of just rebooting the franchise, right? They, they've done that with Spider-Man now. And you're, you're watching the second iteration of Spider-Man. And you're like, okay, that's not how Uncle Ben died. <laughs> like this, just right. like Uncle Ben dies one way. Same thing with Batman's parents; they only die one way. You can do any other thing you want to with villains and bad guys, but the character is created because this certain thing happened. And so, you know, they're about to reboot uh, Fantastic Four, and you got to wonder, like, okay, are they going to get rid of cosmic rays and and that sort of stuff, and and make it more realistic and hip or something? Of course, I think they're going to take the ultimate Fantastic Four path. Okay. I'm not familiar with what that is, but it just it it it, it does exactly that. It gets rid of cosmic rays sort of and and updates it for the future. So I think they want they're part of like instead of instead of being like uh scientists that are like old and and they're actually like teenagers at this uh university sort of thing setting where they're they're working on science of the unknown, and and uh, Reed Richards breaks into some sort of cosmic something or other that <laughs> affects all five of them, including Doctor Doom. No, oh. so he's like a part of the origin. So I think, yeah, I think X Men they wanted to avoid that, uh, and maybe they felt they had enough characters, and they had you know they could do young Professor, young Magneto, and they could still carry a story on. Again, I I liked it. I. Good amount of action, good writing, good directing, but you kind of look at the character lineup and you're like, okay, well they they've already used all the A listers, so we're kind of at the B listers, and they did the best that they could with those characters. Don't get me wrong. Um, and then then you've got this movie, so it kind of begs the question as to like, what are they going to do for this Age of Apocalypse movie? Are they is Wolverine going to be in it? I suspect. He, well, I don't know. They could go either way. I mean, he is alive. I mean, you think about it, and they they could do it. They they could do two different times if they wanted to. This whole Age of Apocalypse, they could show how it affects the first class, like 1970, 1980, whatever you want to call it, and how it affects 2000, 2010, or whatever, wherever that branch of X-Men are. I don't I want to see two movies, actually. I want to see where the X-Men go from here and where Wolverine goes from here as two separate movies. So let me ask you this then. Do you care about um, um, Old Beast, Old Storm? No. The X-1, 2, and 3 franchise? Not at all. So you say, let that one, that one's done. It's run its course. We don't care about Cyclops, Jean Grey. They're all, like, maybe we, we can are, see them as we, children. We saw their future. They're out there. They're fighting. Great. It's good for them. <laughs> good job. <laughs> if, guys. If, if we ever see them again, I hope it's in a it's in a total reboot. Here's another question. This is a sidetrack. Uh, Wolverine in the future's got like gray little streaks in his hair, but when you see Cyclops and Jean, they don't look old. Does he have? Yeah, he has gray. I know he has gray streaks in his hair when he's in the when he's in the uh, apocalyptic future. What? But he has it. He has it at the school too. I thought he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Hmm. They didn't look old to me. No, they didn't. I mean, they looked their same age. I thought the cameo by by uh, what's his face, 
Fraser Crane. Yeah, <laughs> whatever his real name is by Fraser. I thought that was, I mean, he, that's probably like, you know, seven hours worth of makeup just for him to be like, oh, hello, Logan, and walk by. But I thought that was cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool. It was nice to see Rogue again. Yeah, that's right. Her and uh, Iceman hanging out. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like, on the one hand, it's kind of like a, a reunion. Like, everybody's back together. Everybody's okay. Kind of all's well that ends well. Uh, and that could be the final chapter of X-Men 1, 2, and 3. Like, yeah, we kind of screwed it up over here. But, look, everything worked out. And now we're, we, we're going to retire this set of characters and work on these other characters. But how I don't think that they can go very far because they they killed all the characters in these in the in the testing and the vietnam stuff so like who the hell is left oh there's so many characters i know so but many come on. you're gonna they're gonna be like i don't i can't even think of who they're gonna grab but they're gonna be like these really z-grade x-men characters it doesn't matter because the movies are about mystique magneto and professor x yeah fair enough Fair enough. But at some point, I, I would like to not have Magneto be the villain. And they almost pulled that's, that off in the last that's movie. When they're gonna, that's, that's when they're going to do the reboot. So, all right. So do you have any speculations? Magneto wasn't the villain in this film. He was he was the young villain, but he wasn't the old villain. What do you mean? What, the old? Ian McKellen was not a villain. No. But Michael Fassbender was. True. Correct. Yes, I agree. I felt that uh, Ian McKellen phoned in his role. I mean, he didn't, he didn't really have anything to do. He's <laughs> just like, all right, here we are again. Wave my arms around. Look at me. I'm a mutant. That's neither here nor there. Um, I thought the uh, Michael, or what is his name? Uh, James McAvoy visiting per, per, uh, face-to-face to Patrick Stewart scene. Yeah. kind of cheesy. Yeah. It, I, I mean, I, really care for that one. I, I, I think that's, again, that's another, like, passing the torch type. It moment. seemed like a contrivance that they threw into the plot to like because they couldn't figure out how to get the professor to like meet himself. Know. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So they do uh, Age of Apocalypse. We can, I think, maybe we just make the assumption right here. Not that we have any pull in this thing, but that uh, X Men One, Two, and Three mutants aren't in it. Maybe, maybe Wolverine's in it. Maybe he's not. Um, and uh, they do an Age of Apocalypse thing, which I guess just is an introduction to Apocalypse. He takes over the world, and the X-Men stop him, something along those lines. Magneto has, like, some good times and some bad times, and probably ends up at the end of the day bad, maybe? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. That could go anyway. And it, 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 maybe it doesn't do any of that. Maybe they don't even have Apocalypse, because, as we know, these teasers aren't exactly 100% accurate. So, let's forget about it's all that. Cable versus Apocalypse. <laughs> Very well could be. So, let's, let's all right, we'll just kind of table that. We'll, we'll do a whole podcast when that teaser comes out next year or two years it's from now. It's going to be Cable, Longshot, <laughs> okay. Dazzler. Okay. And um, Ju- no, we already had Jubilee. Um, yeah, yeah, but... Just, just those three. You could, <laughs> you could throw Jubilee back in there. I mean, we've brought Emma Frost back in a couple of times. They could be like, oh, yeah, that Jubilee was not this Jubilee. This, they're two different characters that happen to have the same name. But let's assume that... Okay, so they do that. So then they decide, like, oh, man, we're all out of ideas, and now we want to pull the Spider-Man reboot. We want to start all over from scratch. Do you think that... The movies themselves, now that there's been like seven of them, if you count the Wolverine movies, and this one would be an eighth, and presumably there'll be a third Wolverine movie. So nine movies will have occurred, three trilogies. Do you think that they would have enough, A, clout, and B, balls, to say like, we're going to take this back to its roots? 
We're going to reboot the X-Men, and it's going to start off classic. You're going to have your five original X-Men and the Professor, uh, and we're going to make it more modern. They're not going to wear the cheesy costumes, but we're going to reboot this thing from scratch and work our way through some of the other storylines and introduce like a proper Colossus, introduce some of these other characters properly rather than just kind of plunking them in whenever the plot calls for it. Nope. <laughs> Not even a chance. <laughs> I think that would I think like that would be the proper way to go. I think that would be the that's what they should do. Uh but no, I don't think so. Or okay, so this was something else that I had uh read or heard, I can't remember which, that uh um Hugh Jackman was on record as saying like I'd like these X-Men rights to revert back to Marvel. Because I would like to fight, well, I would like to fight Hulk. And of course, you yeah, think, you're like, oh that. my God, that, that's a great idea. Like, who wouldn't pay to see that movie? You know, there'd have to be a little bit more story in it. But I mean, a couple of battles between Wolverine and Hulk, that'd be a good movie. But I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Uh, and then you have, also have to ask yourself, like, okay, a couple more movies come out. Um, I, I just put what, like another X-Men first class, another Wolverine movie. I mean, that's like five years worth of time to put those movies together. Right. At some point, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman is not going to be a viable Wolverine anymore. Right. I th- I'm thinking that the next X-Men movie and the next Wolverine movie are probably the last movies in this cycle. And then we're going to get a reboot maybe five, 10 years down the line. No, you think they? I think if they wait that long, then Fox loses their rights to the X Men, and it goes right to Marvel. And I got to be honest, I think if Marvel gets it and they give it like the Avengers treatment, oh my God, then you're then you're in for a fun ride. I think, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think I don't know. Did you see? Did you see Spider Man Two yet? I have not yet seen Spider Man Two. No. It is a Sony movie. Yep. And in the middle of the credits, they did a scene from uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. Yes. They did the the Mystique scene where she uh, rescues the mutants in the military. Yeah. It was like a five-minute sequence. Yeah. So clearly Fox can make deals with Sony. So why can't? Fox make deals with Marvel. Yeah. I don't, there was, if you read more into that, there was some other, there was like a, I don't remember what the details were, but Fox got something and Sony got something. They each got something from each other for the inclusion of that scene. But I don't think that that means that you're going to see Spider-Man like swing into an X-Men movie and be like, Hey X-Men, how's it going? It's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and then swing off. Like I don't, you're not going to see that. You won't see that until the rights all revert to the owners of the same company. I'm holding out for them. <laughs> and look, I, I would love it. I mean, if they just keep creating this bigger and bigger uniforms. The problem is, though, unlike comic books where you can keep a character looking the same for 60 years, right. you know, right. eventually Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be able to play Iron Man. Hugh Jackman's not going to be able to play Wolverine. And well, when I think you. Iron, Iron Man is interesting. I think you, uh, Robert Downey Jr. said that Avengers 2 is going to be his last Tony Stark film think so I, I believe he has said that huh uh, they could offer him even more money and he could change that but the thing about iron man is that you could put somebody else in the suit right and i, I think comic book wise i think they have like i think yeah. Tony, yeah there's been runs where tony stark has not been uh iron man but I, I so the the question i'm trying to get to is like okay so you get to that point um with x-men and maybe the rights have shifted over to marvel 
maybe Fox decides to reboot it with a whole new angle. How, the the only the most iconic character you have is Wolverine, and you no longer want Hugh Jackman to be Wolverine. Who's Wolverine? Uh, somebody we'd never heard of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and do you think that that person could pull it off? I mean, obviously, that's I'm really asking you to take a leap of speculation here, but um, well, uh, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger. I mean, yeah, yeah, but see, the difference there is that. How many years passed between Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger? Well, I think that's how many years are going to take, like, pass between he, uh, Hugh Jackman and Fritz Horatio. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, again, I mean, look how long it didn't take him long to reboot Spider-Man. It seemed like as soon as Spider-Man 3 was done, they're like, okay, amazing Spider-Man two years from now. Yeah, well, that's just because they didn't want to lose the rights. It's the same thing with the X-Men. They don't, I mean, it's not like... You know, if Marvel owned these rights, they could say, yep, we're going to sit on this for 10 years and then we're going to revisit it. Fox, if they want to keep keep that money coming in, they got to keep making X-Men related movies. So that means that if they reboot the X-Men and they recast everybody, it's going to be like really fresh in everybody's minds. And that's why I asked the question originally, like, OK, make a movie without X or Wolverine, make the original X-Men. Is there enough cloud? Is there enough fan base? Have they earned their stripes to be able to say, like, take a chance on this? Like, these may not be the most popular five X-Men, but... they did, and it was called X-Men First Class. True. Yeah, see? So I guess it is possible. But the problem is they, the X-Men First Class, they should have gone and done an actual real reboot and started with a team of five. Hmm. Well, wasn't it a team of five, just not the right five? Well, yeah. I mean, the team of five. Yeah. Well, I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't do that at at that point right because they introduced angel and x-men 3 and right but that's what i'm saying they should have just oh oh, i see what you're saying like we're done starting over all right well anything else that you can think of from x-men days of future past that that's really been tugging at you that you want to get off your chest or have you said everything you want to say um i am looking forward to seeing it again uh i i did enjoy it i i really liked the design that they did for the sentinels even though we didn't get to see too much of them, um, it was a good. It was a good ride. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So, so I would like to remind everybody that listen that even though for the last seventy minutes we've pretty much been picking the movie apart and maybe doing some bashing of the entire franchise, overall we we liked the movie. I would say that this is this may have been the best X Men movie to have ever come out of the franchise. I think you might be right. I think they handled it with enough care uh the script felt polished uh the action like you've mentioned in the past none of the other films are really known for really good action sequences i mean they right, right. they improved there there was some well, they scene- learned the secret the secret of good action sequences is just don't introduce your characters right right just jump right into it um the, uh i felt like in the middle of the movie because it was a long movie it's like two hours and seven minutes or something like that um i felt like in the middle it kind of sagged a little bit but i couldn't tell you exactly where but it wasn't enough to make me like you know well like say that this particular scene was too long or uh, anything like that it did certainly wouldn't detract from like if i was to give like a star rating like i wouldn't detract any points but i did feel like it kind of sagged a bit in the middle i didn't feel that way but um kudos to you <laughs> fantastic and i too will see it again i mean i've seen i think I've, I've, well actually you know i think i've only seen the first class movie once i've only seen the wolverine movies once and honestly i'm not really a big fan of the wolverine movies the, they're not very good yeah uh, i do want to see the extended cut of wolverine 
There's an extended cut. Right, the Wolverine, uh, because I don't know. Supposedly that's like 20 minutes of oh. fighting ninjas, which is all I really wanted to see. <laughs> right, right, right. The other problem is I saw uh, the Wolverine at a drive-in during like a downpour, so like the wipers were going, and I was what you know like. Even though the drive-in screen is so large, it's like when you're watching it through your windshield, it just seems like it's really small. So I need a proper... You're watching the Viper through your windshield Viper. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was. That's also punny. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't have anything else on my mind. I'm sure we're missing big points of the movie that, that we should be talking about, but I think I've gotten everything off of my chest that I wanted to talk about, so... Good, I'm glad. I'm <laughs> glad we had this session. It was therapeutic. I can finally sleep at night. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back with some more comic books uh, next week. But uh, we did have one letter I wanted to cover. Oh, we had a letter. <laughs> we had a letter. Uh, this is from David Steele. Uh, this is normally we would do a letter in an episode, but he does kind of call out the movie here, so we figured we'd just throw this here. Uh, but he does say two things. The first thing he says. Uh, which we could cover in the comic podcast, but what the hell we're doing it here, uh, was he wanted to talk about the the um, how brief the climax of the Phoenix saga was and how nowadays they'd string that out for months. Uh, he thinks that Byrne and Claremont deserve a lot of respect for being so succinct. I honestly think that I, upon reading that, I think they were too succinct. I thought it could have actually been dragged out maybe another issue or two. What do you think, Adam? Um, I could I could see it go either way. I don't know. I don't I don't really have an opinion on it. I guess. Um, okay. I, I thought it was fine the way it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, it stood the test of time. People are still talking about that storyline to this day. So, uh, but uh, he after we talked about uh, it on the podcast, the Phoenix the Untold Story, he picked it up and he's he's apparently going to do a uh, a side by side comparison, much as we attempted to do. But I'm sure his will probably be much more thorough. Uh, he also says that he's seen Days of Future Past twice. He loved it. And he says that it might be his favorite comic book movie ever. <laughs> wow. That, I can't go that far. So you still put, which one, what What do you put? What's your top? Um, uh, my number one comic book movie. Now, what, now hang on, before you, before you answer, comic book movie encompasses, you know, Batman, Sin City, uh, that movie with that guy. <laughs> What the heck was that called? Dark Man? <laughs> Liam Neeson? No, there was another movie that was kind of an indie flick with uh, Steve Buscemi. What? Oh, Ghost World? Ghost World. Okay, so it, it encompasses all of those. Those are all comic book movies. So now now you can answer. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with the old... Uh, I, I, I'm going to stick with Spider-Man 2, although I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, the original? The Dark Knight. The this yeah the, the original this this new Spider-Man two was not all that okay but the original Spider-Man two with Doc Ock that way yeah. is my all-time favorite comic book movie I would um, I would definitely yeah maybe very closely followed by the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight was the first. The second one, the Joker one. Oh, okay. I thought you didn't like that one so much. The one with the Joker? No, I loved it. Oh, okay. I, geez. Okay. I, I like that one a lot too. Um, it's not without its flaws, but it's. Uh, I mean, Heath Ledger was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, hmm. I wish I wouldn't have ans- asked that question because I don't know if I can actually answer it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I definitely put um, Spider-Man 2. I mean, now that you mention it, I mean, Sam Raimi like had enough 
um, Hollywood clout, and he had made enough of an impact with Spider-Man 1 that he was able to be Sam Raimi on Spider-Man 2. And so that coupled with the characters and the actors and all that sort of stuff did really make a great movie. Dark Knight, for me, also was good. I even like, um, what's the one with Bane? I like that one a lot, too. I watched that one a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how you felt about that one. I mean, it was... I didn't really care for it. It it had a few of its own little plot holes. Well, like, the old, the ejectings on the fritz. But (laughs) I like the overall feel of the movie. I mean, it really felt like, uh, wow, Gotham is in a lot of trouble, Uh, (laughs) which is what they were going for. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So that worked. Um, So, I don't guess, I don't know, I may not actually have an answer for the question that I asked. Um, okay. <laughs> but Avengers is on that list, so I think I can give you a top five. Spider-Man 2, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Avengers, and I'll give it to X-Men 1 as well. So those five, I couldn't... Scott Pilgrim. What's that? Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim was actually pretty good. I like that movie. What about Watchmen? Oh, man, you had to throw that in there, didn't you? Watchmen was really good, too. What about... Um... That other Alan Moore movie, not the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Didn't see that. Which was terrible. Heard that. Yeah. Uh, the V for Vendetta. That was pretty good. Yeah. You've given me a lot to think about, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer the question, but but those are all, all really good films, everybody. Okay. Without further ado, the danger room is closed. Welcome to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. I mean, wait, that's not right. Let me go again. <laughs> I literally did not mean to do that. 